battle for today's talk is going to be know your enemy. So if you've got a bit of paper and you want to write that down, please jot this down. It's the title of today's talk. Uh, this is a uh, three-part series. I would urge you not to miss the next two parts. Uh, and if you do, you can listen to it on Spotify or iTunes, or you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, don't just listen to today's message. You need to listen to all three together. So no matter how you do that, make sure you do. Otherwise, today you'll be sorely lost on what to do next. But we are excited for the word we've got for today. Uh, I just really want to pray over this message first. So God, we just surrender all of my words to you, Lord. I just pray that every person in this place would hear the words that they need to hear. Lord, even if it's just a little side note that I feel you've dropped into my spirit, that that would just penetrate their heart. And we just pray for every word that's of you that would resonate in our souls, and every word that is not of me, that is of me and not of you, would just disappear into dust. So, Jesus, here we are in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so, uh, know your enemy, fight the night. So, I want us to imagine that we've got all our boxing stuff up here, and I was going to say, who would like to box me, who would like to fight me? Uh, I'm, I used to box, so uh, I'm a little bit handy. Uh, <laughs> I don't want you to uh, just think who thinks they might be up for that fight. Because um, already what you're starting to do is this. So I say to you, who wants to fight me? So everyone just process that from here. Okay, put your hand up if you fight me. Oh, we got one. Anyone else want to fight me? Who else? Come on, be honest, be honest. Oh, we're getting people going here. What? Two, anyone else? At the moment, it's just all women. I don't know what I've done to offend you all. I'm sorry. I don't know what my wife said, but uh, you don't need to fight me. Are any men who think, you know what, I could probably take him. Well, I think it'd be a fair fight. Do you know what's happening when, as soon as I said that? Do you know what you all start to do? You start to assess me. Straight away, you're like, is he strong? Is he fat? Is he out of shape? Has he boxed before? Is he dangerous? Would he actually fight me? Would a pastor fight me in church? What's going to happen? We start to assess, don't we? That's what we do. We straight away, as soon as I says that, everyone automatically goes, well, hang on a minute, is that... Is that a likely outcome? And then we look at our adversary, we look at the opponent, and we say, could I beat him? So if I said to you, do you want to come back with a boxing match? You'd also be expecting boxing gloves. Maybe if you're an amateur boxer, you might wear a head and a mouth shield. But you start to assess the situation. But if I said to you, uh, do you want to fight me? And you said, yes, and you can't be expecting a boxing match, but I was holding a sword, you'd suddenly be like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Or if you came up here thinking we're going to have a sword fighting up without a gun, you'd be like, oh, I wasn't, expect I wasn't prepared for that. I want to say that the reason it's so important that we know our enemy is because it determines how we're going to fight. Doesn't it? Imagine you went, we're going to war tomorrow, we're not going to take any guns with us though. We're going to go and have a war tomorrow, we're not going to take any guns, we're just going to just use our hands. You know, like, that's insanity. Because you would assess the enemy and decide how you then move forward with that, depending on who the enemy is. And that's kind of what we want to do today. This talk comes with a huge, massive caveat, uh, is this, is that I want you to know before this starts, we're going to be talking about uh, our enemy as Christians, who we'll talk about his name and all this sorts of stuff. Before this start, I want you to know that he is a defeated adversary, okay? And as much as we will talk about him today, we're talking about him so that we can live a life where we are more than conquerors. We shouldn't have any fear or anxiety or worry about the fact there is an enemy, because if we are a Christian here today... He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Or the spirit that is in within me is greater than the spirit of this world. Yes. Remember that. If that's the only thing you remember from today, for the rest of the stuff I say, know that. Because that is so important for me moving forward. But so many churches don't talk about this because actually it's quite a hard subject to talk on because it's got so many people can get really scared and worried and like it can really be a hard subject to talk through. But hopefully today... We'll get through it and we'll all feel amazed at the end. That's my hope. So today is know your enemy. Who is our opponent? 
So he appears, literally, if you've read your Bible in Genesis, you've already come across him. In there, he's the serpent in the garden who deceives Eve and Adam and tricks them to eat an apple uh, that causes the fall of all of humanity. He's in there from Genesis, and he goes all the way through, all the way through to Revelation, okay? Uh, I want you to know about Satan. He has tons of names, and I think uh, one thing, one point of study, if you're getting to study the Word of God, is whenever you find a name, it's always best to look up what the name might mean, because normally names give away quite a lot about what's going to happen or characteristics about who they are. So some of the names we have for uh, the devil is Satan, which means an opponent or the arch enemy of good, and it can also mean the adversary or someone who is to withstand. So what's the first name he's given? That is the most used name for him in the Bible. We also have the other one, which is the devil, which means the slanderer or the accuser. So we get that from Genesis really early on when uh, the devil is slandering what God has said. and said, that's not really what he said. He's the first person to do that in Genesis. That's not really what God said. The first person to slander the word of God. So we get the idea that he's also the slanderer. Another one you might have heard is Lucifer, which means day star. This was his name when he was an unfallen angel. So he used to be an angel in heaven. And he got power hungry and prideful and wanted to take the place of God and have everyone worship him. And he fell. But when he was in that state, his name was Lucifer. He's also been called Beelzebub, which is the prince of dung. Uh, he's also called the tempter, the ruler of demons, the evil one, the enemy, and the father of lies. That right there, I think, is a write-up in which we should all be most aware. Uh, but there's some of the tiles he gives him. He gives us some descriptions around, like, the father of lies. It helps start to understand maybe what his characteristics are like. Imagine you came to church down in What's Ben like? Ah, oh, he's a great guy, he lies a lot, steals a lot, um, and we all call him the Prince of, of Pooh. You'll be like, I don't think I want to go to that church. But then that's the description we start to get just out of the titles in which he is given. Um, he brought into the world sin in the Garden of Eden, and the separation between man and God was caused primarily by the temptation of the devil to Adam and Eve in that place. And the whole point was to destroy the relationship between God and man. But I want us to really focus on kind of two key verses today. Is like, is this real? Like, let's start there. Is there an enemy for us based on the Bible that we should be aware of? I think a great verse for all of us as Christians, a New Testament reference for all of you to write down, would be 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9. We'll read it as it says. Stand up! There we go. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we've got Peter here writing after Jesus' death and resurrection, writing about the fact that we do have a great enemy. Not just an enemy, a great enemy. And he is the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We've got him in Genesis. We're going all the way through the Old Testament. And then Peter, in his letter, he's writing to inform us that we should stay alert. That means stay alert, just in case you were wondering what that might mean for us today. Be alert. Watch out for a great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I want to say today that that's the point. When Peter's writing to church, he wants them to be alert and ready and aware. He doesn't want to be uninformed. And for us as a church, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to be able to stay alert. But to do that, we need to know who we are to be alert against. What's their purpose? What's their point? What's going to happen? And all this sort of stuff. A few facts about the devil is this. is He can only ever be in one place at one time. Okay? He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere all the time. Only God is omnipresent. 
He is in one place at one time. He does, however, have a whole horde of fallen angels who are now demons, who are around and in the spiritual realm are around us. Uh, and that's how he would always be around us, by using these other um, demons to be around us. Uh, he is um, not all-powerful. He is not an equal and opposite to God. He's not yin and yang. Please let that not ever be thought in your mind that there's like this power struggle between God and the devil. That's not the case at all. The devil is a created being who God created. Therefore, God has full power over him. So they are not equal and opposites. If you believe that, that is a terrible mistake. Um, so please correct that in our minds that they're not equal and opposite. And today I want us to kind of work through, I think, a really key verse of kind of to start this series about what is the point of the enemy? What is the point of this person who is opposing us and opposing God? And the verse I really want to kind of pull apart today is one of my favourite Bible verses. It's in John 10, 10. So if you want to write this down, uh, there can be there for your notes. This is a whole great chapter that, um, if you actually read this and you read 1 Peter, they've got a lot of similarities about caring and shepherding. Uh, they're both parallel verses in terms of how God is going to care for us um, and how we are called to care for each other. So if you ever want to do that study between John 10.10 10 and 1 Peter, it's an amazing study to be done in terms of shepherd king who comes to save us. But it says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and life to the full. I want to say that the enemy is coming to do these three things to us. He's coming to, first one, who wants to guess what it is? Steal, Steal and kill. And there we go, everyone's got it. We know, we know what his, uh, his game is now. And I want us to look at these three things because I think they're significant. And I want us to kind of start to see it in our own life and start to see maybe where he's been working in and around us. So the first word we're going to look at is this word, Kill. And this is what I believe is so important for this word, is this. Your relationship with God, before it starts, or after you find it. One of the devil's primary purposes, or the enemy's primary purpose, is to kill your relationship with God, before it starts, or after it started. That's what he wants. He's not here to mess around, he's not here to play games. We are told straight away that the thief, when he comes, he's coming to kill and what he wants to kill more than anything is your relationship with God. And that can be before it starts. And you'll meet people like this. You'll meet people who they're trying to get into this relationship with God and just they can't get to church. Or this stuff's always coming up. Or there's these things that just seem to happen. That means they don't ever get there. But also it means that the devil, he's stopping us living in that relationship. Because when the devil fell, that's what he broke. He fell out of relationship with God. And because of that, what he wants is no one else to have that relationship with God. The thing he attacked in the Garden of Eden was the relationship Adam and Eve had with God. He wants to kill that relationship more than anything. I want to say to you today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, I want to say to you that our primary aim, our desire, my want for you guys is to live in a full relationship and realise that the enemy is trying to do whatever he can to stop you living in that relationship. When we celebrate Easter a couple of weeks ago, we were celebrating the fact that Jesus died and rose again so that we could have a restored relationship with God. It's not just for a destination of eternity in heaven. It's actually about restoring a personal relationship between us and God. And what the devil wants to do is to kill that relationship. We move on to the next one. Steal. He wants to steal the truth God has for you in his word. He wants to steal that from you. He wants to kill your relationship. Step one. But let's just say he's going to steal your relationship, steal the relationship. You've now got, he's going to kill that relationship, sorry. 
and you've now got that, do you know the next thing he wants to do more than anything is to steal the truth from you? Because what he wants is this, he's going to say, ah, then you've got this relationship with God now, like, and I'm going to try and kill that, but if I can't kill it, what I want to do is I want to steal the truth from you about what that's got. So Ben, you can have that relationship with God, go for it, mate, but just sit down. I know the word God says you share it with your friends and tell people about me, but you know what, just, just, just be quiet. You know what the word of God says that I've come to give you life and life to the full, but that fullness, it might cost you a little bit, Ben. Just, just stay sat down. Lord. Oh, Ben, you are more than a conqueror. That's what the words are. Ben, don't listen to that. It sounds like a lot of effort. Or, oh, you should go to church every week because they can connect with people and make great friendships and start. Ben, just it, it, looking like a bit like a fanatic. Just, just sit down. Have your own little relationship with Jesus, but don't let it change you. You are who you are. It's just the way you are. It's just the way you were raised. It's just part of who you are. Ben, you can have this relationship, but whatever you do, don't change. Keep doing what you've always done. Keep being who you've always been. Jesus will love you anyway. But whatever you do, Ben, just stay in the seat. Because what he wants to do is to start to say, the devil knows that once you've got a relationship, what happens is God says that you'll be continually transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when your mind starts to get renewed, what happens is these truths start to come in. Like, I'm more than a conqueror. And when that truth really starts to settle into us, we're like, we're in our workplace, and what starts to happen is, no, no, it doesn't have to be this way. That in the situation I find myself talking to people where I'd be scared and anxious about sharing my faith, actually, I'm more than a conqueror, and I can share with, with sensitivity and boldness. Yeah. Sometimes I think we share with boldness, but with no sensitivity, and people are like, what is going on? Why are they attacking me? But we can sit with people in their pain and actually sit with them and be like, no, you know what? He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. So whatever this person next to me is facing right now, I'd have to be scared of it. Because I can sit with them in their pain knowing that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. What the enemy always wants to do is to steal the truth. He's like, I can't kill his relationship because he's met Jesus now. And I'm going to try to undermine the relationship he's got by stealing the truth. And I can tell you in 15 years of doing ministry, this is where I spend most of my time with people. Trying to get them to understand real truth. Like, I have done so many Freedom in Christ courses where people are like, I just can't believe I believe that. I can't believe that lie was in me all that time. Like, it's just the way I, I can't, I'm just the way I am. It's just who I am. I'm just abrupt. I'm just rude. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just angry. I'm just jealous. So I don't see any of those gifts in the spirit. I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. And God in us is trying to restore those truths about who we are. So the next thing we should know about the enemy is not only how to kill us if he can't kill you and kill the relationship you have, what he wants to do is he wants to steal the truth that God has got in his word for you. One of the most obvious ways he does this, who wants to guess what it could be? Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. What do you reckon the most obvious way that he wants to steal the truth from us? The most obvious lie. Don't read this. Ah, uh, did you... Don't read this. I haven't got time. Too busy. Too much on. I don't know how many people I've met with and said, When's the last time you read your Bible? Read it four weeks ago. <laughs> Great. Why don't you read it? Oh, I haven't got enough time. But I am really struggling. I'm really struggling with how I feel. My wife started to notice, didn't I? I'm getting more angry. 
When was the last time you had any input? When was the last time the truth was resonating through you to start to show you the things you need to get rid of? Becoming a Christian is about us realising that God's got more for us and that the devil is trying to steal that truth from us every single step of the way. And I want to say that we want to be a church that actually does something different. I want to see a church where we live in the truth. The next thing he wants to do is destroy you. He wants to ultimately cause you to spend eternity in hell. Uh, this is the most unpopular one to talk about. Uh, people don't really like this that much. But I'm happy to talk about it for a little bit. Uh, hell. What we know about hell is this. It is the absence of God. Therefore, if it is the absence of God, it is the absence of a place of love. At its base level. You have never existed in a universe without love. Because God created the universe. It's by its very nature declares its love for you. Like, one aspect of how God declares his love for you is by the fact that rain can fall as dirty water at the top of a mountain, go for a perfect filtration system where it picks up minerals that your body needs, and at the bottom of a mountain, you get beautiful drinking water that today people take from the ground, put in a bottle, and sell for you for £1.50. <laughs> and people say, but God doesn't love me. He's created these beautiful systems just in its universe because of his abounding love for us. He's created ways in which we can get dirty water cleansed. Do you know the most beautiful filter systems you can get for your house are all based on that same filter system? And God, at the beginning of the time, was like, humans need water? I've got this filter system. Done. Not only would it filter it, I'll put minerals in it for them as well because they need a bit more minerals in their life. I don't drink enough water. I do too much Pepsi Max. There's not enough minerals in there. <laughs> But I want to say to you that we have never lived in a universe without love because God is love. What we know about hell is the absence of God. So even at its base level, is a place in which there is no more love. And we have never existed in that place. Because the devil knows that's his ultimate destination. And like a petulant child, he wants to take as many people as possible to the place he is now destined for. That's his goal. So he wants to say to me, Ben... Don't have a relationship with Jesus. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he does that through subtlety and no matter how many people you meet, who in this room is the same as anyone else in this room? Put your hand up. We're all unique beings. That means because we are unique, we are uniquely made. And the way in which he'll distract you from having that relationship will be different for every single one of you. If you look at the way he tempted Jesus through food, finances and power, three different ways, and for you, it might, food means nothing to you. For you, money means nothing to you, but power. If you become a Christian, you have to surrender to Jesus. You have to let him take control. And for those of you who've got control issues, when you become a Christian, you're like, Jesus, I'll give you anything but control. <laughs> Save me, bless me, love me. I want it all. But we can't have his mind. I don't want you to control. I don't want you to be in control. Is it all right if I keep that one? <laughs> But that's what the enemy does. He'll try and kill that relationship. And then when you're in that relationship, what's he want to do? He wants to steal the truth from you. Just don't get any more free, please. Have heaven, but whatever you do, don't change yourself. Don't change the world. Don't change anything. Don't do anything. Don't be anything. Just be in your little holy relationship with Jesus and just stay there. Just stay in the chair. Don't get out. Don't move. Don't read. Don't listen. I want to say today, if you can't read or you struggle reading, you live in a blessed generation where you can listen to the Bible on your phone, you can listen to it on Spotify, you can listen to it on the Dwell app. There is hundreds of ways you can audibly listen to the Word of God. You can read it through Braille. There is no excuse for us. Read it for a minute a day. 
Read a verse a day. Just start somewhere. Because the enemy is going to try and still kill and destroy that from you. And ultimately what he wants is you spend an eternity separate from God in a place called hell. A quick summary of each of those is he wants to kill your relationship, he wants to steal the truth, and he wants to destroy your eternity. That is what we know of the enemy. But luckily there is a huge uh, part for me that is massively, massively exciting. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you have made life and have it to the full. We're going to look at this second part right now. That I believe for each of the ways the enemy attacks us, God is in the opposition saying, no, I've got something better. So the first one we'll look at, he is here to heal your relationship. The devil is out to kill your relationship before it starts and when it gets going, he wants to destroy it. We know that Jesus came and he died on a cross for us that whoever believes in him would not perish but gain eternal life so that he could defeat the enemy, so that all of us could have a healed relationship. That now offer is on the table for every human being that has ever lived and it's been there for 2,000 years and that offer has been taken up by millions of people who now live in a relationship with him because Jesus ultimately came to restore your relationship. And the enemy, all he wants to do is to kill that relationship before it starts or after it starts. You become a Christian. I love Jesus. And the devil was like, chill out, calm down. Don't get too excited. Don't read the word. Don't go to church. Don't go to life group. Just, just come on. Let's just get comfortable. Let's just sit back. You're getting a bit carried away. But Jesus, he says, I have come to restore this relationship with you. And it's a relationship. It's not a destination. There is an ultimate destination where all who are Christians are going to go to heaven. A place that is full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. It's also a place in which every tear is wiped away. There's no more suffering, no more pain. That is our destination. But Jesus is here right now and he can live in your heart and become part of who you are so that you walk through your life having that internally. That it's for now, it's not for next year, it's not for when you die. Because death has now been defeated. We just transition into heaven. One day, our bodies will pass and then we'll be in glory with God. Isn't that an amazing truth? And that's what Jesus ultimately came to do. Where the enemy comes to destroy the relationship and kill it, Jesus comes to heal our relationship. Secondly, he's come to give you a life-changing truth via the Bible. He has not come to give you a life-changing truth through the preacher. He has not come to give you a life-changing truth through the latest podcast you've heard. It always will only be life-changing if it is based and rooted in this. That's why this whole talk is based on John 10.10, not on Ben 10.10. Because it'd be pointless, it'd be powerless, it'd be ineffective. It'd be a lot easier to preach about, just make this stuff up. Go get a duck, wash it five times, throw it in the air, and it'll be free. <laughs> well done, welcome to church, see you next week. Wouldn't it? Let's be honest. It's not, but Jesus is saying that actually, I've come to give you a life-changing truth. And we all wish sometimes, I wish it could just be transmitted and downloaded into me. But actually what it takes is for us to read or listen to this word and start to get truth from it and start to declare those truths. Like, like there are so many truths in this word that are going to transform your life. And if you ever meet me or Emma for pastoral care and we're sitting with you and we're talking through, what we want to start to do is to sow the word of God in. And then what happens is that truth then gets in our heart and that truth starts to rise up. But when the enemy comes to us and says, ah, don't share your faith. You don't need to. It's not necessary. Don't tell people about Jesus. Just be quiet. You'll start saying, no. In Matthew 28, it says, go into all the world. And I think it means go into all the world. And when it says, go and tell them about I think it does mean tell them about me. Because it is in there. And then we turn to Matthew 28 and we read it. And it goes, yeah, it is in there. It must be true. 
We start to say, I'm just broken and hurt, I'm no good, no, God would never want to use me. And the Bible will start to remember that verse where it says that we are an apple of his eye. You weren't planned, you weren't needed, you were an accident. God isn't going to use you. Who are you? You weren't even a planned pregnancy. And God says, it says in here that I knit you together in your mother's womb. And we start to say, yeah, the world might not have wanted me, but I know God wanted me. I know God knit me together. I know God knows me. I know God's got a plan for me. And when we start to put the word of God in there, that's the truth we need to transform our future. It's to transform who we are right now because God has come to give us life and life to the full. The enemy has come so that we might be, have that truth stolen away. And he does that by stealing the word of God from us time after time. The devil wants us to have us an eternity in hell, separate from the guy who loves us the most, who died on the cross for us, who couldn't bear to be without us, that endured the most painful death ever solely so that we could have a restored relationship with him. And not only that, I don't know how many of you have got friends or wives or partners, but God loves you so much he doesn't just want a lifetime with you. He wants forever with you. For some of you, maybe you're thinking some friends, I don't think I could spend forever with that guy. <laughs> I don't think I could do eternity living with them. Jesus says, actually, every single one of you, no matter how annoying you can find yourselves, no matter how much you struggle, you know what? I love you so much. Not only do I don't want to save you for the now to restore you, but I want to live with you forever, without end, without cease, in eternity, in heaven, and I want you all to be there. Isn't that like, and in that place, the benefits, no more pain, no more suffering. Every tear is wiped away. What I love about that is that that's a physical action of so much intimacy that God is saying, I will actually wipe away with my hands the tears from your face. Not there'll be no more tears. That's good. I'd, I'd settle for that. Jesus said, no, no, no. But I will actually wipe them away. That's the eternity he's offering us. Isn't that like? So as the enemy comes to destroy our relationship and he comes to steal the truth and he comes to destroy our eternity, Jesus comes and we can have all of the opposite of those be true. He's come to heal your relationship. He's come to give you a life-changing truth by the Bible and he wants to restore your eternity. I want to say to you that if you want to get more free, get more in this and apply more than this. I could list a hundred theologians who know this back to front but aren't living in any freedom, who aren't got life and life to the full. Yes. It's not a textbook to be memorised. It's a guide to life. So when it says things like, if you do this, this will happen. If you believe this, and we start to believe and we start to say, God, actually, I want to believe that, but I am truly a son of God. That I truly am a prince in your kingdom. That's who I am. And I want my identity to be in that, not in my circumstances, not in my job. Then we start to apply that to our life. The application of the word is what transforms our mind, not just memorising it. When I've gone through seasons of my life where I'm struggling, I just get my phone out, I put five Bible verses down, and when I'm at the gym, I have them on the floor in front of me, and I'm working out, I just read them over and over again. And you know what happens? Two, three weeks later, not an issue anymore. And the devil gives up, he's like, Shh. I can't get in there because I can't steal the truth, because every day he's reading the truth. Does that mean there's never going to be a trouble again? Ask any Christian that's been a Christian for 60 years. There is trouble. There are things where God wants us to be more who he has created us to be and the enemy does not. I want to say to you today that we serve an amazing king who is greater than the enemy has ever been. That he has defeated him on Calvary. And we now live in a place in which if you are in salvation, I want you to experience life and life to the full. If you are here today and you are not a Christian, I would beg with you, 
I would beg with you, with all of my being, say, the first step is to realise that the enemy wants to kill and steal that relationship, the restoration between you and God, because that's the starting place. Because if he can stop that happening, the rest of it doesn't matter. He knows that you will have no truth, and he'll know that you have an eternity in hell. That's the first thing he wants to attack. If you are a Christian here today, I would urge you to buy a notebook. And I would urge you, every time you say the words, it's just the way I am. It's just who I am. It's just the way I was raised. If this hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be like this. There is truth that the pain is painful you have been through. It does not mean you have to live there. There is no denial about what happened to you or what you've been through hurt. We don't deny that. I've sat with people through their hardest pains and griefs. But there is a better future. There is a better truth that we can move on from and into. And every time you hear yourself saying that, let it be a red flag. It's just the way I am. Nope. It's just the way you were. And there's a better future. There's a better way. And what we need to start doing is inputting some of this to get rid of the lies that the enemy has been inputting, maybe for 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. I'm still doing it. 15 years on from finding Jesus. I've got some of my great friends who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s still doing it. And the great thing is Jesus is doing it because he wants you to have life to the full. And until you're full, I would beg you not to stop pursuing all that he's got for you by inputting some of this. So guys, I am so happy to be here today sharing this word because I just want us to be a church where when people come in that door, whether they know Jesus or don't, our desire more than anything is them to live in a life to the full. Not half measures, because that's not what Jesus died for. He died for fullness. So Holy Spirit, I just pray for every single person in this room right now that they would find that full life that you've called them into. Lord, in the areas of our life where the enemy has lied to us and tricked us and deceived us, Lord, may your truth penetrate through that like light shining in the morning. That The darkness cannot prevail against it. Your light is so bright. And Lord, thank you that you are more powerful than the enemy has ever been. And Lord Jesus, you are a super heavyweight champion. And when it comes to the devil, he is nothing but a lightweight fire that's not even one. And Lord, when you come, or when you move, he can't even stand against you. Lord, thank you that when we resist the enemy, he must flee. And Lord, I pray for a church that we be a church of our eyes wide open, staying alert. When we start to see the enemy start to whisper small, subtle lies. Does it really say that? It's just the way you are. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Don't read that. Don't pick up your Bible today. That instead we'd be alert and when we hear that we'd pick up our Bible quicker than anything. That we'd go on our knees and start to pray to you, the God who has restored our relationship. Jesus, here we are, longing to see you. And I pray for every person here who doesn't have a living relationship with you, Jesus, that today they would rectify that, realising that you have paid the full price, that you've got an eternity waiting for them, but right now you long to see their sins forgiven. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen.